Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Small Business Edge Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Moran, and our guest today is Allie Necker. And this is our Small Business Spotlight segment. And as you know, this is one segment that I love a lot because we get to feature really awesome, passionate, dynamic business owners who uh, tell us all about the world that they live and operate in, and they give us a glimpse into what makes them tick. So this month, we're going to be spotlighting Allie Necker. She is a -a one-of-a-kind, third-generation jewelry designer for people who dare to be different and treasure what makes them. She is the owner of A. DeMay Diamonds in Denver, Colorado, and today we get the pleasure of hearing her story. Welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Allie Necker. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Really excited and uh, grateful for the opportunity to tell you a little bit more about me and uh, what I do. Awesome. Did I get the introduction right? Did I screw anything up? It was great. Sounded perfect. (laughs) All right. It's usually 50-50, but that's great. You and I had the uh, opportunity to meet and be part of a, I guess, like a mastermind group. Right. And and that's how I got to learn about you and your business. And I said to you in that workshop, like I was just blown away by your story and your passion and the way you approached your business. And I knew in my head, I said, one day I'm going to have her on my podcast. And today's the day. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much to your words. Uh, meant a lot to me. It definitely resonated. Good, good. All right. So listen. I know that you love what you do. And so I'm going to get the hard questions out of the way first. So you you are a a jewelry designer and you are a private jeweler. You make pieces, right? For people, right? Correct. What's the hardest part about your job? I think the hardest part about my job is the stuff that doesn't bring me joy. That usually makes sense, right? Right. Yeah. The things that in every business we maybe um, struggle a little bit with or lack the skills or we just find challenging. Um, For me, one of those things is content creation. I'm slowly getting a little bit better about it and more comfortable with it. Um, I definitely grew up in the, the age where social media was kind of just becoming a thing with... I think I had MySpace when I was in middle school and then, you know, Facebook and Instagram. So um, I've been through the gauntlet of what it's like to grow up kind of in that sort of spotlight and have an online presence. And so I think now as a business owner, it's sometimes challenging to put myself out there. Um, Mm -hmm. I've often hid behind my products and my creations. Um, So now I'm, I'm leaning into a new phase of kind of putting myself out there more and um, trying to grow more of a presence and a career. A connection, I guess, with the people on the other side of the phone or the computer. Well, how how much of a role when you talk about content creation, we're talking about social media, right? How totally. much of a role? Because I would see your business as very much a referral business, right? And so, yeah, sure, people are going to refer, oh, you should go check out Alice. She's unbelievable. She made this necklace for me, this bracelet. And I think the first thing that somebody's going to do is they're going to do a Google search on you, right? And see totally. what what it is. And what I tell my clients is historically, it's going to be your website and then it's going to be all your social media. Unless you are, you know, you do a lot of interviews, you win a lot of awards, you write a lot of columns, it's going to be Facebook, 
Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Is that the case for you in your business? Um, yeah, Google's big. Um, Instagram is big. Uh, my website, actually, I guess I started my website and my Instagram almost at the same time. And I think a lot of that for me was like, let's build the credibility in the background, um, mm. help show the story rather than tell it. And so that's what I've done. And I use a lot of the content that I create on other platforms to, I guess, add more to my website as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would agree with that. I I don't tend to get into Twitter as much, um, and I haven't quite dabbed back into uh, LinkedIn. It's been quite a while, but um, yeah, I would say my primary focus is website and Instagram, and kind of using those two together to paint the picture. Yeah. Do you do videos like Instagram Reels? Yeah, yeah. I do a lot of Reels, and I almost do only Reels now. Okay. Um, Instagram is always evolving. So I've been trying to keep up with the algorithm and what they want next, uh, which is hard for me because again, I started when Instagram was just artsy photos and I really liked that. (laughs) I liked that there wasn't a lot of feedback. (laughs) It was like, check out this cool picture of the flowers and the sun looks nice. And like, you'd get one or two likes. And so that's, that was kind of what I was used to. Um, Nowadays, it's all about, okay, how's the algorithm changing? How do I get more eyeballs? How do I reach the right people? And so I've really had to learn and put a lot of energy into creating reels. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's tough for me because I I love the photo format and there's a lot more time invested in creating reels. But something that I just started doing that I find really fun is I've been setting up my video system to record me actually doing the sketches of my jewelry pieces. Mm. And I've been putting that out. I've also been doing kind of the, okay, here's what we started with image. And then here's the process from start to finish. Um, And I enjoy posting those as well and kind of giving the behind the scenes look. Those I think are great. I see those a lot with my brother is a contractor and he does a lot of the before and afters. So yeah, the start to finish is always visually, it's really stimulating, right? So here's a concept, right? And and broad strokes on a on a pad to the finished piece is pretty neat. You, you must have quite a few ambassadors and advocates, right? People who love the work that you do, but is is that the same as like I think of, you know, somebody like a realtor? I have a client who's who owns a real estate agency, and she must have close to a hundred reviews on Google and realtor.com and some, you know, these different websites, and everybody sings her praises. Is that the same for you? Because I feel like with with your jewelry pieces, it's very private, right? It's it's a it because usually the piece is something that means a lot to the person who's who's ordering it, right? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I've asked for reviews from clients in the past who will be like, this is amazing. I love this. I'm going to tell everybody about you. And the part that sometimes doesn't happen is the actual physical review on Google. And I couldn't quite figure out what the missing piece was there until I had um, a recent client who was like, okay, you know, you can share this on your your Instagram, tag me, I'll share it. And she was like, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I want to do that because this feels really personal. And she's like, you know, I don't want to get into the conversation of how much we spent or what was this? She's like, I just want to like treasure this for me, but I'll totally write you a Google review. And I'm like, okay, that 
that makes sense. I had never even considered that because I'm, again, growing up in this world, I just don't think about some of these things that feel so, um, like I'm so used to it. I'm so used to talking about jewelry. I'm used to talking about the process, the cost, the time. Um, and I've always been very open if someone's asked me about my personal pieces of jewelry, but I've just never considered that. And that was a bit of a light bulb moment for me. So I think using that information moving forward on how maybe I can adapt that process mm-hmm. to help people feel more comfortable with leaving a review and um, yeah, finding a different way to facilitate that, I think, because reviews are really helpful, mm-hmm. especially in terms of people finding me online. And I think the uh, engagements, you know, the people who you who come to you or the people who are in your ecosystem, you know, your partners, your suppliers and all of that, having those public conversations and supporting what they do. Right? Certainly, I, I would imagine that anybody who does tag you in a, in a photo or says, oh, look at this jewelry piece I just got. It's truly amazing that you're all over that. Right. Where you say it looks beautiful on you. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right. So you're a third generation jeweler, which is, I love those types of stories, you know, like these, the, the artisan skilled positions, right. Where it's passed down from generation to generation. What were some of the biggest takeaways that you uh, got from the previous two generations? I've learned a lot. (laughs) And Uh I think so much of it too has been like, transferred through osmosis, you know, not necessarily the lessons that were like sat down and taught to me by someone, but the things that I've observed and kind of picked up on over time. The original family jewelry store was purchased in 1952 from a German immigrant in DeWitt, Iowa, very Mm -hmm. small town of now it's 5,000 people, but I would assume at the time much smaller as well. Um, And it was there on the main street. And that was the original store location that had been there. My grandparents purchased a store and my grandpa had gone to watchmaking school maybe a couple years prior to that. It's interesting. I I never got to meet my grandpa because he passed away before I was born. Mm. Um, But my my grandma, I got to share some of her experiences and, um, you know, just hearing about their struggles as a family too, to get this up and running. They lived above the store that they had purchased with um, five children who all shared the same bedroom. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, like true, like American dream style story of like, mm-hmm. we really want to build this thing and um, we'll do whatever it takes and sacrifice and work through this to build a better future for our family, our children, future generations. Um, and I find that story very inspiring. Um, and I think that what's interesting is in the second generation. Um, so my dad and my uncle really took it over and grew it into the sort of monolith that it is today in the Quad Cities, probably one of the biggest jewelers in Iowa or Eastern Iowa. Um, and they've got people from all over the Midwest that come there just to buy engagement rings and shop with them. And it's funny because I think growing up, people didn't really, they didn't hear that story. They didn't hear the story of my dad and his siblings all sharing a room. They didn't hear about their sacrifices. And they just look at the image of what was created and go, things must be good. Mm. Um, And I think that that was was challenging for me growing up, too, because I'm like, yeah, well, there's a lot of sparkly things in a store. There's a great image here that's been built and created. But like the entrepreneurial lifestyle and dynamics were still very present. 
Um, mm. And I think something that I, I really took away from my, and still do from my dad and his brother is that you have to always be growing and evolving and changing as a business. Mm. Um, they've long outlasted a lot of other businesses in the area because they're constantly reinventing stuff and challenging stuff. It's like, are things good right now? Okay, let's turn it up a notch again. Complacency, I, you, I think. I bet is. you their upbringing has a lot to do with that. Has yeah. a lot to do with uh, not taking things for granted, not resting on your laurels. Yeah, very hardworking uh, Iowan family there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I mean, even now they're rebuilding the store completely, a store that's been there for how many years? And they're like, all right, we're going to do things different again. So I think that ability to really take risk, challenge things. My dad's, one of his personal quotes is, if you aren't breaking something, you aren't trying hard enough. Yeah, great. Yeah, I think we've we've personally taken that one too literal sometimes. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I've learned that. And I think another one that really stands out to me is the way that they treat their employees and their customers. Mm. Everybody there is a family. And I very much call everyone that works there my Necker's Jewelers family. Um, There's people that have worked there since I was a child. And um, I just, even in other experiences working for other companies, I haven't found that same level of dedication to customer service. I don't want to make this about your dad's jewelry. That's okay. But (laughs) how how has their business responded with the pandemic and the quiet quitting? And has it been hard for them to retain some of their employees? I'm just like, I'm blown away. Like they're just, they're rock stars at adapting. You know, when the 2008 markets crashed, they had picked up some smaller lines. Pandora is a big one. Uh, It was like charm bracelets, something that hadn't necessarily been in style for a long time. But Mm -hmm. having a smaller ticket item that people still purchase and commemorate things and celebrate with, I think kind of brought them through that economic downturn. And um, with the pandemic, they were one of the first companies that were like, hey, pull up to the car. We'll bring your jewelry out there. Call us. We'll do stuff virtually. They started doing Facebook live sales. And I think there's a lot of positivity there of Mm. we can do something about this. What is it that we're going to do and how do we rise above this? So you had no interest or any interest in joining the family business because you branched out on your own. Yeah. It's complicated. <laughs> it's um, you know, it's hard because I think I think growing up, it's funny. I, when I was younger, I wanted absolutely nothing to do with the jewelry business. I thought I was mm. going to be an artist or a rock star or a horse veterinarian or you know the plethora of things that I thought I might want to do. Wow! Um, and that's a creative I, childhood. <laughs> very creative, and I wanted to do everything. I'm still very much like a yes man. Anything I can try or experience, I'm like, okay, let's. Let's give that a go. But um, I think, too, being very creative and being very different in a small town is is tough as a child and as a kid, kind of trying to figure out, like, where do I find my place? And I don't think for me, I'm, I can sell. There's like a lot of different things going on here. But like, I can sell, but I don't know if the traditional jewelry store format is where I'm meant to be. And I don't think that some of that stuff I knew or understood at the time, but I had actually decided I want to go get out of Iowa for a little while, Mm -hmm. (laughs) try something else out and uh, be around some more art and music and maybe go find my people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, so I moved to Denver and I think that that gave me some distance from the life I had back in Iowa to decide like, what do I personally really want to create for myself? So yeah, I just, I decided I would just do this, you know? 
all right. And and so you and that's brave in many ways. You know, it, it's to say I could do this for the rest of my life, standing on my head, but it it's not my calling. So you I think as a creative person, you have a calling, right? All creative people do that. There's something out there they feel like that it was meant for them. And so for you right now, that's Denver, Colorado, being a, a private jeweler and designer, right? So totally. all right, let's get let's get back to you then. Let's you know, the referral business, it's it's all about people who understand your brand and and share it with others. So if I just bought a piece from you and I wanted to refer you to somebody else, I'm going to say what? Allie Necker is one, two, three, four. She's, I have some words in my head, but I'd love to hear how you describe, how you would like people to describe your brand. I think it could be a lot of things. And I think to each person, it feels like maybe something a little bit different because what I do is I create custom pieces for the individual. So that feeling or experience is very much based around them and what they're looking for. So it might be a little bit different for everybody, but I think authentic is one of those words that comes to mind. Okay. Um, I'm going to throw in great listener. Thank you. If you're, if you are able to do that, you're able to listen to somebody's story and then craft a piece of, of jewelry based on what you heard and it resonates with them, it means you listen to them. I think so we got authentic, great yeah. listener. What else? Edgy slash unique, but also timeless. Okay. It's a phrase. <laughs> okay. I like it. Edgy, unique, but timeless, like classic that is not necessarily going to be dated. It's something I think, and I think timeless is a bit of a loaded word when it comes to, it could be style-wise, but also in terms of like, this is a piece that will last generations. Mm. Never have to worry about it falling apart. If it's handled with care, it'll be around uh, to tell your personal story for multiple generations. See, that's where you really got me in in that, that mastermind group that we were a part of. Because you, you started to describe it. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is, somebody's trusting you. Not, not. I mean, I'm sure it's 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 not inexpensive. I'm sure it probably runs the gamut. But the whole idea of somebody telling you their story and saying, you know, can you craft a piece to capture this moment, whether it's grief or gratitude or something that makes them remember, right? It's it's probably has more to do with the past than the future. Would you would you agree, or am I off base there? No, I think uh, there's a lot of truth in that, and I think. You know, engagement rings are a good one that are kind of all-encompassing in that type of, mm. okay, let's create a piece that represents the individual wearing it, the two as a couple, maybe their past journey that they went on to get to that moment, and mm. also where their future is going and what that symbolizes and means. And it's so much to wrap up into one piece. Um, and I find that lately there's a lot of, well, just let's just make it classic, simple, I just, I want to love it forever. Um, and so I do try to challenge my clients to be like, okay, well, what's something that's really personal to you? Just anything. And if we could incorporate this into that piece, what would that feeling, uh, number, color, memory, place, what would that thing be? And uh, you let me figure out the how, mm. but just, you know, lay it on me and uh, we'll make it happen. So engagement rings are an obvious one. What else do people come to you for? Necklaces, bracelets, earrings? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um, 
wedding bands. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do some, uh, I guess you could call it like a remodel, ring remodels. Um, so like, hey, I have this ring or this piece of jewelry. It's not working for me anymore. Or maybe they inherited it from a grandparent or a loved one. Yeah. And they're like, listen, I love grandma, but this piece is so not me. And I still really want to honor her memory, but like, can we infuse my personality into it? And those are some of my like most favorite projects. We did that. I, I know firsthand what you're talking about there. Um, yeah. So the the business that you're in, I, it, what's interesting about it is that it's um, it's such a specialized business and specialized industry. You know, you're not going to a shop in the mall and having this type of conversation. You're talking about crafting something with somebody that takes a little bit of time. So from a competitive standpoint, what's that like? What's the landscape like? I mean, how many alley neckers are there in Denver or in that you know of, like that you see online? Is it is it very competitive? Is it kind of, you know, everybody by name? How does that work? Yeah, and and, and uh, let me let me just tack on a question to that. Are your clients local, regional, national, international? Because that'll help me understand the competitive landscape. Totally. Um, as far as I know, I'm the only Ali Necker that's doing exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> but not to, oh, not good. to sound cocky at all, but I think... Um, you know, I I spent a lot of time when I started up this business wondering, like, is what I'm doing unique? Is it wanted? Is it special? Does anybody care? Like, is this anything that anybody's going to want? Um, and I think I don't know anyone that's doing the exact same thing as what I'm doing. Um, but as far as competition, I mean, it's, you know, massive. Um, yeah. And I think it is for any jeweler online is a huge competitor. Um, and I find frequently that I love clients saying, well, I found this online for this much. Why, you know, why is yours cost more? Why is it going to take longer? And I'm always grateful for those questions because then I get the opportunity to explain, you know, maybe where the differences lie. And that's always a great conversation. I think anyone that's asking that question is like, oh, okay, great. Thank you. I did not know that. And like, now I can make an informed decision on which option is better for me. I find too, that there's a lot of jewelry stores or jewelers claiming to do full custom when the extent of their custom work is here is a ring that exists and let me stick a stone in it. Here's your custom ring. And I'm like, that's not custom. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's not custom. It's maybe you could say it's personalized. Maybe you personalize that piece or you gave a a catered experience to what that person's looking for. But like we literally build the the rings or piece of jewelry from sketch to sourcing stones and until it's in your hands. So I think it's a very different experience. And I do work with clients (laughs) one-on-one, which I find that there's a little bit of that when you walk into a larger jewelry store, you do get some of that quality time. But um, I like to bring my clients into a private office or a private meeting uh, virtually and um, let them feel like the rock star, the VIP of the day, you know. Yeah. But as far as where my clients are at, I do have a lot in Denver. I've worked with clients in California, Florida, um, all over the country. I don't have an international client yet, but if someone out there wants to uh, work with me and, you know, they live in Canada or Mexico or wherever, then I'd be happy to make it happen. Absolutely. We do have an international listing. 
at the Small awesome. Business Edge podcast. So you never know. Um, I, I'm going to read three short blurbs that I found on you when I was doing a little bit of homework on you. And okay. I really feel like this this, this defines who you are and, and give our listeners a kind of a better sense of the passion behind the work that you do. My biggest takeaway was how important the human element of the process is and how remarkable it is to be able to work in an industry where we get to connect with others and be a part of their special moments, memories, and lives. I'm going to read two others, but you know what I love about that? It's all about the other person. It's not about, oh, look at this great piece that I designed or I built. Look at how great that looks on you. Look at how, you know, look at what you were able to create by telling me your story. That's one. Here's the second one. I've always believed that jewelry had the ability to tell a story about an individual or a couple and should express who they are. I love that too. And then we're talking about your desire to, to move out to Denver. So you said, I desire the freedom to be able to incorporate my creativity and passion for art and design into my business while putting the client at the forefront of everything I do. You are the perfect business owner because of the way you approach your business. Like that's why there is only one Allie Necker. And that's what impressed me so much in our mastermind group. It's that when people come to you, and, and here's my question, but when people come to you, they must just want to give you a hug at the end of the, at the end of the whole thing, right? Where like, thank you for helping me create something that I could never have created on my own. Is that, is that pretty accurate or <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah. I'm a, I feel a little emotional hearing that all read back to me by someone else, you know? Um, and it's, it's true. It's a very personal experience and that, and I do get a lot of hugs and I love the hugs and I live for that. And people are like, can I see the photo? Can you send it to me? And I'm like, I really want you to see it in person because yeah. I like that. I like to see that moment. And that's, I'm like more than the, you know, the payment at the end of the process. I'm like the, the true like joy for me comes when I see the expression that someone has being like, wow, someone really saw me. This person took the time to get to know me, to see me, and to create something. And I think um, for me and my personal journey as just a human on this planet, that feeling is something that can be really hard to come by, is to feel yeah. like someone really took the time to listen to you, to understand you, and to be like, I see you. And and it's, I think, too, as, a, as someone who also loves like very much like personal expression, and celebrating what makes people unique. I don't know if anyone else has had the experience where like you go through a store and you're like, oh God, I hate all of this. <laughs> like, yeah. this doesn't look like me. This, does, if I could only tweak this, if I could change this, then I would feel like this would really show who I am from the inside out. Um, and so I feel like with creating jewelry, I get to kind of give people that experience of like, this is who you are built around, you know, precious stones, rare metals, and things that'll last a lifetime. And I think that, that that feeling is just a really great feeling and um thing to give other humans and people, you know. I, I hope you get I'm gonna put your contact information on the resource page. I hope you get hundreds of phone calls from people or emails uh saying, I heard you on the small business edge podcast. Can you help me design a piece? Ba ba ba. 
do you find that sometimes you get repeat business from people? Do people come back to you and say, hey, you made a an engagement ring for me. I'm wondering if you could make a, a necklace or something. Yeah, absolutely. And I get a lot of clients too that'll be like, hey, you did this awesome thing for me. Can you help my friend? Or can I send my friend your way? Or like, would you be able to do this? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Give me their number, email, however they want to communicate. And like, I'm so excited to just hear what I can help on, you know? Do you have any pieces that you've done over the years that really stand out? Like the way you just, you know, like a top three piece that you ever did? Uh, One of my most favorite pieces, and it's funny, it's like when you see a painting somewhere and you go, well, that's a good painting, but you hear the story behind it. I'm like, I like all the parts. I like the story behind it, what went into it, and I like the finished result. And uh, this couple in particular wanted something really different. Um, I had actually, uh, from another company that I had worked for here in Denver, had a friend who was still working for this jeweler, and he was like, hey... I've got a buddy. He wants to get engaged, but like, we can't do this here. And I'm like, okay. He's like, can you help? And I'm like, absolutely. Sure. Let's do it. And this client in particular was looking for a jade engagement ring, Mm -hmm. which we all know what the traditional engagement ring looks like, what it quote unquote should be. Anywho, we, uh, we met and he was just like, is this weird? Is this, can you do this? Is this a thing? And I'm like, it's your engagement ring. Like, absolutely. We can, it needs to be personal to you and it needs to feel like, like her ring or your ring. Mm. Um, so we went and sourced a, it wasn't even the most perfect piece of Jade. It was like the most cool kind of edgy shape and like really interesting. And we had gone one direction with designs. And I think a lot of that was based on some of the classic, I think an engagement ring should look like this, but let me try it and infuse some personality. Um, and you know, we showed her all the designs and she's kind of like, okay, I have an idea and I don't know if this is going to be weird. I'm like, yes, (laughs) I'm like, yes. I'm like, okay. I was like, I promise you nothing you could say to me would be weird. Like, what is your idea? And she's like, I really want to incorporate Ravens into this ring somehow. We're super into Norse mythology. And like, I want this ring to be about both of us, not just me. And of course, I'm like, my eyes light up. I'm super excited. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And so we scratched all the original designs and then went this new direction with incorporating Raven's Claws into the ring. And it's just, it's really, really cool. And I remember her also being like, what are people going to think about this? Are they going to like it? Are they going to think it's weird? And I'm like, if this is a piece that you personally love, it really means a lot to you, that's that's what people are going to notice and they're going to fall in love with it too. It's just that contagious. We don't live our lives. You know what I love about that? What I love. And and she went forward. She got that ring. Oh yeah, we did it. And it was one of the most liked photos on my Instagram because it was the piece that was really built with heart and personality and that person's unique characteristics. And it's, everybody loves it. Like, see, I told you. (laughs) But see, that's what I love. I love I think society, we're starting to get there where we're more accepting. Like there are not these traditional boundaries of this is what an engagement ring should look like, or this is what life should be like. You know, Mm -hmm. think of all of the joy that gets unleashed when you're able to live a life that you want, that you were meant to live, but you couldn't, right? Now you can do it. I feel like you're helping people unlock that part of themselves, and that's a way they can display it. I mean, but it's really cool, 
untraditional and non-traditional engagement ring. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's like one of my standout stories. And it was also one of the first pieces that I made after starting my business that I was like, okay, here we go. Like, this is why I'm, I'm in this business and doing this my own way. Uh, and honestly, throwing out a lot of the rules to do what I want to do and, and help other people. So, so what, what, you, you know, it's funny. I have a workshop that we do and my listeners know it's called the bricks of sticks workshop, but in there, the first week we say, okay, let's define who you are as a business owner. I say there are three kinds, a small business owner, who looks at business largely as a work-life balance and every purchase that they make is an expense towards that business. A lot of times I'll say that's a that's a pizzeria or a nail salon or something like that. Main street business, very important to the economy, by the way. At the other end of the, the spectrum is the entrepreneur. And they're all about growth, right? And aspiration. Everybody knows what an entrepreneur looks like. All of the purchases that they make for their business are to grow the business. So it's an investment. But in the middle is something that I coined as the passionate business owner. And and the reason I created this third uh, category was because there were more and more people falling into it. It's where, look, I love what I do and I'm really good at it and I'm growing. It's more than just a lifestyle business. I don't see these purchases as expenses, but an investment to grow and you know grow my business. And so I don't I don't want to be necessarily on that entrepreneur track, but I'm definitely not a small business owner. So when I come to these forks in the road that say go left and you can stay where you are, or go right and you can grow your business. Right, now that I've defined them, and I think we know the it's like that you know when you you put the ball under three you know cups and you swill it all around and go okay totally. find find which one is you which one are you are you a small business owner a passionate business owner or an entrepreneur. That's a great question. I think I'm somewhere in between passionate business owner and entrepreneur. <laughs> I think from the time I was a kid, I was always like, okay, let's create this. Let's build this project. Like, I definitely had the lemonade stand. Um, I think I thought I could sell painted rocks for a while. So confluence of art and jewelry, I guess. Um, and I've, you know, I've had my own business doing custom pet portraits um, wow. <laughs> and I'm, uh, I currently started a Turo business. So I'm like, I'm always looking for the next thing to kind of balance the odds, I guess you could say. And I like challenge. So if I can keep pushing in one direction or the other, and I think too, my business isn't super seasonal compared to a lot of jewelers. I get a lot kind of here and there, but I do like having some level of a, I guess you could say other sources of income too to help support the main passion project, which is my my jewelry design business. And I would love yeah. to see that grow more. Um, and I think I'm I'm always in the okay, this feels scary. <laughs> or yeah. I shouldn't say I'm always, but I frequently come up with the if it's a decision making thing, this feels scary. Well, I could go back to the zone of comfort, but mm-hmm. that's not really cutting it. Or I'm I'm like, what do I have to lose? We just we just go in, we do it, we jump into the deep end and swim. Well, okay, that begs the next question. Do you have an advisor or a mentor for your business? I don't. I don't have an official mentor. I do. I probably too often ask my uh, I ask my dad a lot of questions. Okay, well, no, that's <laughs> I ask a good him advisor. a lot of questions. That's yeah. a great advisor. 
But those I strongly recommend. I need one. I would strongly recommend. Yeah, because you know, there are going to be parts of your business that you you don't see. It's like you have the blinders on and you miss something. And and so as you as you come to these forks in the road that you can't go straight, you can't maintain the, the path you're on, you're either going to have to go left, you're going to have to go right. Sometimes those can be expensive lessons if you make the wrong mm-hmm. turn. A lot of businesses did that during the pandemic. But that is something that we talk about a lot that we absolutely um, advise people to do is have that have somebody, you know, and there's an element of trust in there, too. But you're in the trust game, I feel like, you know, people are trusting you with their life stories and, and, and their personal stories. But I think that you would benefit a bit from having because your your business is it's not transactional by any stretch. And so you want to see what does the road ahead look like? What are the next six months look like? And play something called the what if game. And what if this happens? So what are some of the biggest obstacles in the fork or and, and forks in the road that you might say, right? So don't answer this now, but remember this question. What if? And then you ask yourself like the 10 biggest questions. What if this happens? What if that happens? How how? you know, how do I maneuver my business successfully to get around it, or at least address it, then if that thing were to happen, you'd be ready for it. You would get knocked down, but you wouldn't get knocked out. Totally. And I think your dad is probably a great resource for that, because he's probably had to deal with all those what if questions that you still don't have kind of like that perfect answer for. Mm-hmm. It's true. And I think though, and in one way that I'm like, I do need an objective outside mentor because I mean, he's my dad and I like to tell him that, okay, good idea, dad, but I'm not going to listen to that. And I'm like, dude, why didn't you, are you just pr- purposely rejecting his ideas to be the <laughs> rebel here? Like, you don't need to do that. Like yeah. he's trying yeah. to help you. And you're like, yeah. I don't know, dad. And so it's like, <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of that sometimes where I'm like, yeah. dude, he's just trying to help. You asked him for advice and now you're like, hmm, I don't know. And he's, he's probably like, why did you come ask me for advice? Yeah. So we've got we've got a very close relationship. And so I, I go to him often, but also like I'm doing something very different from his business, although we both have jewelry businesses. So sometimes his advice isn't always applicable or um, I find that there's a safe zone there where I go, sure. okay, well, I, I could do that that feels more comfortable. And someone's told me that this already works. And I'm like, I have to almost check myself and be like, no, you're going a different path. You need to go this way. So that begs the next question. Do you have an actual, like a GPS plan for your business? Like if I asked you, Allie, where do you want to be on December 31st of this year? That's your strategic goal. Do you have a sense? You don't have to tell me, but do you have a sense of where you would like to be? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, my like ultimate vision for the future or um, sooner rather than later, <laughs> I'd yeah. love to be primarily focused on just customer interactions and design. Uh, right now, I am a solopreneur, so I'm doing everything. Um, mm. And I find that too, it can sometimes be hard. I, I've learned to strategically kind of organize my days so that like, okay, on these days of the week, we do the back of office work, or we do the Mm -hmm. shipping and we do the content creating and we do these things. And then these are the client days. 
Um, because I find sometimes if I'm dabbling in between too many different things at once, I'm like, I'm gone. Uh, I'm like, oh, shoot, I needed to yeah. do this today. Or I also know that sometimes it it drains the creative energy a little bit. Yeah. So like if I'm sketching, I'm almost like, okay, we need shipping or other stuff goes on end of the week, middle of the week. We're just doing design and we're going to be comfortable. We're going to put on some good music and we're just going to get in the zone and uh, yeah. I'll be there undisturbed for a while. So um, yeah, I think my goal would be to find, um, I love to work with someone younger who's like really interested in being a part of this industry, but maybe doesn't know how and would maybe want to help with, or is passionate about content creation, would love to help me with content creation and, um, you know, day-to-day management and different things like that with, mm-hmm you know, help me take photos of really pretty jewelry we just created together. Or what do you think about this sketch? What are your thoughts? And like, kind of give back in that sort of way too. I'd love to be in a place where I can eventually do that. You know, I'm, I'm willing to bet my watch that there's somebody in Denver that would absolutely love to do that. Right. Totally. So this, this is just a matter of, and, and, and what it does is you have, you have four parts of your day, the urgent, the important, the everyday, the non-essential. And I think I borrowed that from Stephen Covey, who's brilliant. But by outsourcing the everyday and the non-essential, you get to focus on the urgent and the important. Mm-hmm. Whether you automate that part of your business or you outsource it or you bring somebody in, that frees you up to be creative. And when you're not being creative and designing pieces, you're taking breaks. You, you know, sometimes that everyday... Wrong. Yeah, that everyday non yeah. <laughs> sometimes that everyday non-essential stuff is is okay to do, but sometimes you just need to take a walk outside mm-hmm. and feel like you can do it because somebody else is focused on on the other stuff. Totally. Yeah. So I think that that's like a near future transition I'd love to make. Um and I think you know, I have like an ideal number of clients I'd like to work with every week on just creating designs and starting new projects. Um so yeah, hopefully working in that direction. I think um, shifting my my content strategy a little bit, my review process or things that I'm looking to tweak in the near future and, and or currently working on to kind of help that stuff out a little yeah. bit more. So what I love, to, what uh, I love what you're saying is that things are great, but I'm taking a proactive mindset to make them even better, make it more seamless, more efficient, more productive. Not rather than, oh my God, my house is on fire. I need to go put that out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is like, I, um, I joke that I didn't learn a lot at business school. Um, (laughs) but one thing that I really learned was about efficiency that had never been like a topic that I learned anything about. And I remember sitting in those classes and being like, well, I don't plan on, you know, running a warehouse, or like a or overseeing big operations in that kind of sense. But there's like little ways that I've since then tweaked my days and what I do to be like, how can I make this streamlined for me, my customers, and the overall process so it just feels easy breezy. And in contrast to that, my dad loves solving problems. So mm-hmm. he will be the man that goes to run and put the fire out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, let's make sure the fires don't happen. But he likes that. That brings him joy. So he likes to solve the problem. He's like, you need me. I'm on it. And he puts a superhero cape on and he flies out the door. So um, we have a little bit of a different approach from that. But I think that kind of stuff for me stresses me out a little bit. So I'm like, how do we keep the Zen and the, the flow and the efficiency going? 
I think that's that's on your to-do list right now. We're definitely going to have you back, by the way. I want awesome. I want to have you back in the fall and to talk to kind of give our listeners an update about where you are and how everything's going. I'm thrilled for you. I love that. If if we're kind of in the home stretch, so quick question. It's a silly question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. But is there like a bucket list of people that you would love to create jewelry for, like a jewelry piece for? Singer, athlete, entertainer business person. Yeah, I I'm a musician and an artist, so I would love any kind of musician and artist to walk through my doors and be like, I've got this weird idea and for me to just be like, let's do it. I think Lady Gaga would be at the top of my list of people to wow. design. She's just she's she's unique and a one of a kind and has never been afraid to be herself and I find that very inspiring. I think you and would do so, a good job with her. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, we'd make something really awesome and uh, unique and very personal to her. Wow. Okay. There you go. So <laughs> let's figure out a way to push it out into the universe so that somehow somebody hears this who knows her and says, you need to check out Allie Necker. And and the name of your business is Allie DeMay Diamonds, right? A DeMay Diamonds. A DeMay Diamonds. Yep. I knew I'd screw something up. And I've That's got like okay. five pages You're very close. Aiden <laughs> <laughs> A. Diamonds in Denver, Colorado. If people yes. wanted to connect with you, what's the best way? There's Instagram. What else? Tell me Instagram. the website. Yeah, website's great. My email is alexandria at adamadiamonds.com. But yeah, I'm very responsive. So if you reach out, um, I'll definitely see your, your message and get back to you. And I'll put your Instagram account on the resource page and the website as well. You know what? This is everything I expected it would be. I think you're a fantastic business owner, passionate business owner. I think you do a wonderful job. And I love to see and hear uh, your enthusiasm for what you do and how it brings joy to your customers. I think they're lucky to have you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And um, I'm glad that the the passion and uh, the care is felt. No doubt. No, I have no doubt. And at some point I may be calling you myself. So yeah. We'll <laughs> Looking see. forward to it. <laughs> All right. Allie Necker, thank you so much for being on the Small Business Edge podcast with me on our small business segment. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Yes. And to our listeners, there you go. Another segment, another small business segment that you've asked us to do. And I hope you enjoyed uh, my conversation with Allie today. We'll be doing another one of these next month. And obviously, we do our podcast every single week. So keep your suggestions coming. Keep the great feedback coming. Uh, you keep your rotten tomatoes at home. And I will see you next week on another episode of the Small Business Edge podcast. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.